Greetings, listeners in listener land. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things. In areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, government, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports, we originate from and connect the gateway city to our country's current cultural fabric and lives. Rebecca now is with us. She's the executive director of the Webster Shrewsbury Rock Hill Chamber of Commerce, and she's going to talk to us about Women's Equality Day, which happens on August the 26th. There's going to be some special events that day, and we're going to talk in depth about that and other kind of St. Louis-related things about women's equality and the right to vote. Welcome, Rebecca. I'm pleased to be here. Thank you, Arnold. Good to see you. How did you get involved with the Women's Equality Day? I know also that it involves the Voices of American Herstory, or Her Story. Well, I guess I've had a calling to be involved in women's rights advocacy ever since I was a teenager, off and on. But I really got serious about it in 2013 when I discovered a woman from history that I'd never heard of before, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and said, okay. How come I've never heard of this woman? And I just started self-studying and reading and reading and reading and uncovered a lot of history that I was never exposed to. And it was fascinating, but it was also a little bit irritating that I'd never heard about this before and why wasn't it covered in high school? So that was how I was brought to this. And when I discovered how long... It took women advocating to get the constitutional guarantee of the right to vote because they were not given anything. They fought long and hard for it. And it was finally placed into the Constitution on August 26, 1920, which is Women's Equality Day. And I always thought this should be celebrated. We should send greeting cards to each other. There are some that say we should make it a national holiday. I think this is worthy of celebrating, and actually, the 19th Amendment was the largest expansion of democracy in this country. Over 20 million women were added to the voter, were eligible, excuse me, eligible to vote after this was added to the Constitution. Yeah, a a big thing, folks, that particular day that she's talking about, Women's Equality Day, It was passed in 1973. Congress designated that August the 22nd, 26th, excuse me, as Women's Equality Day, and it was selected to commemorate the 1920 certification of the 19th Amendment to the Constitution granting women the right to vote. So it wasn't the initial approval of, yeah, let's send the amendment to the states. It was, yeah, all the states have it enough in. The day that the federal government— right certified it it. and put it into the Constitution. Another day that I love to celebrate that has just now passed is August 18th. And that is sometimes referred to as Ratification Day. Uh And after the 19th Amendment finally got through Congress, because really this has been proposed year after year. It was called the Susan B. Anthony Amendment. She never lived to see it get anywhere out of committee. But finally, they got Woodrow Wilson to back it. We got Congress to agree to this amendment, and it had to go to the states to be ratified. At that period of time, in 1919, you had to get 36 states, because at that time we had 48. 
You had to, and it passed quickly, and then it was down to 35 states, and we needed one more. And they couldn't get it through certain northeast states. It looked like all that was available was the south, which was vehemently against it. Because enfranchising women would include women of color, and they were opposed to that. It was down to Tennessee. And this is a fascinating story. It is a fascinating story. Go into it. It's very fascinating. It's fascinating. There's a whole book written about it called The Woman's Hour by Elaine Weiss, which is a great book. Mm. And it's one of those history books that's totally factually based, Mm -hmm. but the plot is driven. And you're just, what's going to happen? What's going (laughs) to happen? And even though you you know what's going to happen, you're just like caught up in it because there were lobbyists on both sides that descended on Nashville, Tennessee, the state capitol, in the hot, blistering summer of 1920. And it had gone through all these 35 states, and this was the final battle. Mm. And the liquor interest, the railroads, and other lobbyists were against it. Really? And everyone descended there. The anti-suffragettes, the two organizations that were for women's suffrage, the mm. National American Women's Suffrage Association, headed by Carrie Chapman Catt, and then a representative of the National Women's Party was in town. Mm. And all of the legislators in the state legislature for Tennessee would wear either a red rose in their lapel signifying they were against women's suffrage or a yellow rose signifying they were going to vote yes. So when it got down to the wire, there were more men wearing red roses than yellow. And it's like, oh, this is going to go down to defeat. We may not have gotten the vote until after World War II at this point, you know. So one man, a 20-year-old, the youngest legislator from eastern Tennessee, Harry Byrne, had gotten a telegram from his mother. She was in eastern Tennessee, and she said, Harry, do the right thing and vote for ratification. (laughs) And he changed his vote. Really? And that is why 20 million women got the right to vote in that year. Because he initially, I think, had been against it. He had been an anti. He listened to what his mother said. And he listened to what his mother said. That mom's picture should be on a bill, a dollar bill or something. No kidding. No kidding. I mean, that mom, right. He had said after, in fact, people were running through the building chasing him down and he had to hide in a broom closet because people were so angry with him really and and they thought well he must have been confused how could he have done this (laughs) but he did uh, consciously and then he said it's not every day that a man gets to free 20 million people from political slavery wow 20 million people and fern his mother Read, uh, she, she read and write. She read the newspapers. She had sharecroppers on her land in eastern Tennessee who could not read and write. And Ooh. all these men could vote, and she couldn't. And uh. that was part of what instigated her advocacy. So Harry Byrne. <laughs> yay, Harry Byrne. And young people make a difference. Oh, yeah. It would be interesting to find Harry Byrne's descendants and oh, talk to yes, them. Oh, yes, it would be. Because yeah. I know you're involved with some of the descendants of some of the big names of this movement, like Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Matter of fact, it is 
Colin Jenkins or Colleen? Colleen. Colleen Jenkins. Uh-huh. And she has a very interesting biography on her own. But Susan B. Anthony, and you're involved with doing some kind of reenactments with uh, these particular I his- historical characters. I am. was a member of Toastmasters, a public speaking club that mm-hmm. helps you to get over your fear of public speaking. Mm-hmm. And I was working through a long program with them, and one of the assignments mm-hmm. was to give a speech from history. And I searched for a speech. I was actually looking for something else, and I stumbled on Elizabeth Cady Stanton's speech in 1848 Mm. when she and four other women organized the first organized women's rights convention in Seneca Falls, New York. And when I read her speech, I was astonished and appreciative and thought, wow, she said that? In 1848? I can't believe it. She was very direct and emphatic, and I gave it a bombastic style when I <laughs> when I performed it for my club. I had to edit it quite a bit because in that day, they went on and on and on because there were no other distractions, and right. this was entertainment. So I edited it down to about 10 minutes, and my evaluator in my Toastmasters club, afterwards, he said, Rebecca... All you need is a costume. And I went, okay, costume, interesting. (laughs) And I put that in front of a group of women I was working with on a project and said, I'm thinking about reenacting Elizabeth Cady Stanton. What do you guys think? And, of course, they all said, oh, yeah, go for it, go for it. So I knew some people at the Repertory Theater and called up my friend Deborah Sharn and said, I need a costume. Do you know a dressmaker? And she put me in touch with a dressmaker in Brentwood. I went over there, told her what I wanted, and she created this fantastic outfit. And then I did a reenactment of the speech in front of friends in, I think it was the first part of 2014. Hmm. And that was the beginning. And then I did it at the History Museum. I did it for the National Parks Service at one of uh, their locations in Missouri. And I kept thinking, oh, wouldn't it be neat if I got a Susan B. Anthony? Because Susan and Elizabeth were best friends and political associates for 50 years. It's one of the longest political partnerships ever. And you can't really discuss one without the The other other. Mm -hmm. because they were both organizers, advocates, publishers, writers, you name it. Anyway, and also Soldier Truth who was a former slave mm-hmm. that became an advocate. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I found them. I found them both. Cool. And so now we're a trio. Now is we're, it Sojourner or is it Ida Wells? It's Sojourner. Okay. Yeah, Ida B. Wells was a little bit later okay. than that, a very important person. And right. we might get a reenactor for Ida B. Wells someday. Okay. I would love it. If there's anyone out there that wants to be a reenactor, <laughs> give me a call because we want to expand. But anyway, the three uh, are from the 19th century, right right around the Civil War. And ironically, Colleen Jenkins is part of a project called Monumental Women. And they're trying to break through the bronze ceiling, meaning statues across our country are like 99% men. And in Central Park, there was only one female statue, and that was Alice in Wonderland in the children's section. And, of course, that was a fictional character, not a real person from history. 
So a Colleen and others from Monumental Women got together and they now installed on the hundredth, the centennial, the hundredth anniversary of Women's Equality Day, they installed and unveiled a statue of three monumental women. And that is Soldier Truth, Susan B. Anthony, and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Very cool. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Wonderful. Yeah. And she and, wrote a book, wonderful. Colleen Jenkins, that, let me see, let me get it here, 33 Things Every Girl Should Know About Women's History. Wow, I got to get that. I, I thought I would like to read that. Oh, yeah. Because exactly what you described, and one of the reasons for the show is to, hey, did you know this? I didn't know that. So when I find out something, I like to share it with people. And maybe some people know it already, and maybe some people don't. It's kind of my personal discoveries, and let's share this information because if I didn't learn it, it doesn't mean I was sleeping during class, but I didn't get it, just like you didn't get those things. Yeah, I didn't get those things. And when I started doing Elizabeth Cady Stanton, I would tell people, hey, I reenact. And I could tell from the expression on their face, they had no clue who this person was. And really, the only woman from women's history that we know about is Betsy Ross, Clara Barton, Susan B. Anthony, just about. That's about it. But anyway, I would say I reenact Elizabeth Cady Stanton. And I'd see silence, no expression, and I'd go, don't worry about it. <laughs> in my unofficial poll, Rebecca's poll, at least 85% of Americans have no clue who this woman is, even though her portrait is in the National Portrait Gallery. Mm. And now she's in Central Park. Many people don't know about her, especially baby boomers have right. no clue because it, it was never studied in high school. I did an informal poll of if you look at the memory of your high school history book, all right? How much was in that history book about these 20 million women getting the right to vote? In my memory is one photo and one paragraph. Maybe. It's a caption under the photo. And I thought, well, that's my generation. I'm a baby boomer. Uh Then I went to college very late in life from 2017 to 2021. And I'm exposed to all these Gen Z, Gen X, Mm -hmm. lovely people And I started asking them, what is your memory of your history book and how they covered women's rights? And it varied. It was better. But if they went to a public school, generally it was the same as me. One photo, one caption. If they went to honors classes, if they went to a private school, they got it covered a lot more. Hmm. But I thought it's better, but it's still not. That's the thing about history and what I would say social studies class that – what do you want to describe? Because there, there is this great controversy even within education and in the social studies content area. Do we teach economics? Do we teach geography? Do we teach history? And they all overlap. And you just can't teach the wars and who was the general and who won this. And that's fine and dandy, but there are significant underlying causes of why the war happened. So, and if you can track that all the way through, that that's why we still have some issues today all the exactly. way back from World War One. Exactly. So it's knowing what are some of these underlying causes. And what I like to do when we come back from in our next segment is talk about how some of those underlying causes were accomplished in the 19th century and the early 20th century, even here in St. Louis, and matter of fact, downtown St. Louis, and some people may not know these things, but we'll get into them. 
So that's what we'll do when we come back on our next segment. This is St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston on the U.S. Radio Network. into strives to bring you informative useful and reflective stories and interviews about current and historic issues and events that involve people places and things our topics cover a wide range such as the arts crime education employment faith finance food health history housing humor justice and even sports and that's just to name a few while St. Louis in Tune originates from the Gateway City and covers local topics, we connect to what is going on nationally as well. If you enjoy what you hear, please take time and like and share and subscribe to this show and listen to other previous shows that can be found on our website, stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. Or on your favorite podcast platform, that's stlintune.com. STL intune.com and if you've got an idea that you'd like for us to examine a little deeper let us know by dropping us a note at stlintune at gmail.com that's stlintune at gmail.com st louis in tune heard monday through friday on the u.s radio network.com and many great radio stations around the u.s and of course right here in st louis our website again is stl Intune.com. We want to hear from you. STLintune.com. Welcome back. <laughs> we, we were headsetless. There. I, they were headsetless. Uh, we were talking to each other off the air there. Yeah, yeah, right. okay. So, welcome back to St. Louis in Tune. We're talking to Rebecca now. She's the executive director of the Webster Shrewsbury Rock Hill Chamber of Commerce, but she's here to talk to us about Women's Equality Day, which is August the 26th. And, Rebecca, there are a lot of activities going on, and I'm just going to let you peel those off for us. Sure. This is a big day for anyone that is in a women's organization. And I am doing, through Voices of American, Her Story, my educational arts initiative that I'm working on as my passion project. We are doing a virtual happy hour coast to coast from... 6 p.m. Central to 7 p.m. East Coast, 4 p.m. Pacific. We have, as a guest, the great-great-granddaughter of Colleen Je- of um, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Her name is Colleen Jenkins, so we're excited to have that. And pending, we have a representative from the National League of Winner- Women Voters will be on. And other surprise guests, but we're going to do a toast. We have a suffrage spritzer. We're having a reenactment by Soldier Truth. So we're going to have a virtual hour that nationwide we can all come together. There are other things happening around the nation. In fact, it was almost challenging to get guests because they're doing so many. Um, Monumental Women and Colleen Jenkins organizations are doing an honoring at the statue in Central Park. And they give awards called Moving History Forward. And they're actually honoring a woman that is the head of the AFL-CIO, the first woman to ever hold that leadership position of 45 million members nationwide. And there's all kinds of things going on. The League of Women Voters is doing something in Washington, D.C. And then there's another organization called Vote Equality. 
and they started in Virginia to ratify the ERA, and they have a bus, an RV, that they call the <laughs> RVG, the Ruthless Vote Getter. And they drive around to states that need to ratify the ERA. And I, I love that organization. Yeah. And I think we're going to have someone from that organization on our call as well. Now, how would people find out some information about this? Where can they, they get can, some information? Uh, we're on Eventbrite. So the Eventbrite is uh, Women's Equality Happy Hour. Or they can email me, and I will get them a free ticket. My email, RebeccaNow at SBCGlobal.net. And just say, I want a free ticket to that. Yeah. And don't forget on KWRH 92.9, KXOK 102.9, on Friday as well at 5 o'clock, we're going to be running a very special show that you personally put together. Yes. Can you talk about that a little I bit? I would love to. I did, over the last summer, Mark and I worked on getting the stories from five women who are the original founders of the National Women's Political Caucus in St. Louis. And they started it in 1971, mm-hmm. when the country was in the throes of the anti-Vietnam War movement. Mm-hmm. And these women were galvanized by Bella Abzug, a very famous congresswoman from New York with all the hats. And she came out and visited and said, we're starting this national organization. You should do one in St. Louis. And all these women, it's a fascinating story. There were no women in office. And one of these women is signed behind Arnold, Betty Van, the first woman on the county council. They elected Sue Shear to the state legislature in Jefferson City, Missouri. And she sponsored the ERA in the Missouri legislature. So it's fascinating, everything they did, all the firsts they did, and wonderful to get that oral history from all these women. I think so. And that'll be, again, it'll be at 5 o'clock on the 26th of August, and you can hear it on KWRH 929 and at KXOK 102.9 in St. Louis. Of course, it streams online everywhere around the world. You can go on the Odyssey app, I think the TuneIn app, we, they're streaming there as well. There's a couple other apps too that just escape me right now. <laughs> but we're definitely going to get it. It's going to get out. And that'll be kind of like the warm-up act for your 6 o'clock event. Exactly, because you're going to cover it live. Yes, we will be audio. covering that That's live fantastic. as well. fantastic. Yeah, cool. All right, we look forward to that. Yeah. And Bella Abzug, she was the one that really pushed the Women's Equality Day to actually happen. She was the driving force behind that. That does not surprise me. That does not surprise me. It's not a federal holiday yet, but if I had my druthers, I would have Election Day be a federal holiday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. First. Right. You know, that would trump... uh, Absolutely. Bad pun. uh, (laughs) uh, Doing the Women's Equality Day, which I I think is good, but I know it's expensive to have so many holidays. Anyway, we were talking... So if you want to get more information about that, you can go to Eventbrite, correct? Yes. And you can just punch in uh, Women's Women's Equality Equality Day. Yes. And it should take you to the right place. Uh Voices hyphen women's equality hyphen hh at dot eventbrite.com. Okay. And we'll give that again at the end and also post that. Some St. Louis connections with the women's right to vote. Virginia Minor was a big, big, actually, Supreme Court case. Yes, indeed. She was a big advocate of the new departure 
which was a philosophy that women already had the right to vote in 1872 based on the 15th Amendment that if you are naturally born, you are a citizen. So Susan B. Anthony first challenged it, and so did Virginia. Susan B. Anthony actually voted in Rochester, New York, and then she was arrested about a week later, and she went to trial, and it was such a sham trial. They wouldn't even let her speak to defend herself. It was terrible. And then to avoid her case moving to upper courts, they just let the charges drop. However, because they didn't want it to go on. But in St. Louis, Virginia Minor and her husband Francis, who was an attorney, she tried to register to vote. And the registrar's last name was Happensat. And he refused to allow her to vote. And her argument, which her husband had to make, since women could not appear in court or speak in court in those days, but luckily her husband was a great ally. Again, another man that we can applaud for believing in gender equality. Their, cor- their case went all the way to the Supreme Court, and it was unanimously turned down. What? And they said women were citizens, but it was up to the states to determine whether they voted or not. And some of them, you had to be an owner of property or something like that? I think that was earlier. Okay. Yeah, that okay. was earlier. Okay. Yeah, that was a requirement in the early American And St. Louis was also critical in this passage of the 19th Amendment back in the election of 1916. Why don't you illuminate that for? Why don't you illuminate in a golden way for that? In a golden way, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very proud of our city for this. It's been dubbed the Golden Lane by the newspapers. But what it was in 1916, Woodrow Wilson was. Uh, campaigning to be reelected. And the women's suffrage movement had demonstrated in Chicago at the Republican convention, and the Democratic convention was in St. Louis in 1916. Now, Woodrow Wilson was campaigning on a slogan called, He Kept Us Out of War. <laughs> so that, that didn't last too long. Didn't, didn't work for him after that. Yeah, it didn't work for him after that. But anyway... The women and Carrie Chapman Catt, who was really took over the American National Women's Suffrage Association after Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth and Kat, Katie Stanton passed on. She was amazing. And she came to St. Louis and sat down with the leaders here and came up with this great idea. They called it the Walkless Talkless Parade. And all the delegates to the Democratic Convention were obviously men, and they had to walk from their hotel to the convention center on Locust Street. And all these women, and the numbers vary, but it was at least 3,000 women, wore white, and they had sashes. And their sashes, they were purple and yellow sashes, golden sashes, and the, the sashes said, votes for women. And some of them had umbrellas, but they just lined the sidewalk. They did not say a word. That's why it was the walkless, talkless parade. Mm. And all these men were forced to walk in the middle of the street 
past all these women. Wow. It was pretty <laughs> amazing. <laughs> and I uh, had the honor. I saw a photograph of this posted on Facebook by a friend who was into history. And I was amazed. And I studied it. And I was part of starting the conversation. I was teaching women's history, Arnold, in a pub, in Llewellyn's Pub, <laughs> in 2015. So I know I'm meant to do this work. Oh, yeah. Anyway, in 2015, I was teaching all these women about women's history with slideshows. It was, like, amazing. And then um, we instigated a conversation to start to say, hey, the centennial is coming up at the Golden Lane. We should do something right. in 2016. Right. And we did. I had a conversation with the league, and they basically took over the planning of it. And we involved the History Museum. And the St. Louis Public Library. Mm -hmm. And we did it at the St. Louis Public Library between the library and that park that's across the street. And we had a walkless, talkless parade. Oh, my. And just a a small detail about that parade. The one in 1916 did have African-American women in the parade. Mm -hmm. There's no photograph of it. But in the microfishes, I know you've spoken with Margot McMillan, mm-hmm. who wrote a book about the Golden Lane. And she went through all these newspaper articles and found that there was an African-American contingent in 1916 in St. Louis. And talk about the marker that's been recently placed. Yes, yes. There is an initiative called the Votes for Women Trail Project. And what they have been doing over, I don't know, the last five years at least, is getting a coordinator in all 50 states to research and make a database of all the activities that happened for women's suffrage. I mean, it was not something that was given to women, and it was not something that only five or six leaders did. It was millions of women in many little villages and towns all over this country. This was a massive thing. So the Pomeroy Foundation, who does historical markers, got involved, and they they research and certify events that led to women's suffrage. And one of them in Missouri is the Golden Lane, which I think is the best one in Missouri, but there's lots of them. <laughs> but recently, in June of 2020, no, it's early July of 2022, I was there at the dedication in front of Schlafly Taproom. And Tom Schlafly, really? bless him, allowed the Pomeroy Foundation and the Votes for Women Trail to place a permanent historical marker in front of his property Hmm. to signify the Golden Lane and the 3,000 women who lined the streets with their golden sashes. That's very cool. You know, what's interesting is you mentioned golden sashes, and previously you mentioned in the Tennessee legislature the yellow rose. Mm -hmm. What was the significance of the color yellow? Oh, let's see suffrage. what was called. There are there are definite sig- things that they all signify. I think the purple was for courage. The yellow, I can't recall. But it, it came from the suffrage movement in England. They had slightly different colors. I think they had green in one of theirs. Mm-hmm. But when they came here, the white was for purity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was an argument in the late 
19th century, early 20th century, that women were going to be more moral voters. You know, they bring their female purity to the party. I don't know, but that was one of the issues that they said. They're going to be more advocates for family and clean, healthy living. And that because they are the caretakers of the home at the time, they right. would bring that to the political world. Hmm. Yellow, I can't remember. Yeah, Courage or, or something. I have to go back and check that out. Yeah, yeah. There were a couple other women, famous women in St. Louis, who contributed to the 19th Amendment prior to, and one we had talked previously about, Edna Gellhorn. Edna Gellhorn, yes. She um, was involved in a, a lot of the Missouri Women's Suffrage Associations and the League. She became, I think, the first leader of the League of Women Voters. Hmm. And Carrie Chapman Catt, which we talked about, who was instrumental, she ran this huge organization with women in every state. And she tried to get Edna to be the first national right uh, leader leader, yeah. but she just she didn't want to. She just wanted to do Missouri and finish that up. But Carrie Chapman Catt, when the Nineteenth Amendment passed Congress, and it had to go to the states, she had people in every state. She could telegraph them and say, "Okay." Get on your legislators. And they already had a relationship with their legislators. They already had shoeboxes filled with cards mm. and knew about the legislators in Montana and Minnesota and wherever and could go and lobby immediately wow. for ratification. So that was Carrie Chapman Catt. But Elda Gellhorn is someone to be very proud of. She's buried in Bellefontaine right. Cemetery. Oh. And she was the first head of the League of Women Voters. And... She also believed in, um, in a racial inclusivity. Mm -hmm. And it used to be there was a branch of the league that was the Negroes. And then she made it one. And they were trying to meet once in a hotel somewhere in St. Louis. I right. forget what it was. I remember and the story. And they, they wanted the African-American women to go up in the freight elevator and Edna said, no. we're all going in the freight elevator. Right. And they did. And, you know, they walked out. <laughs> so um, she integrated that. And right. we can be proud of that because in that era, in the 1920s, 1930s, that was pretty unusual. That was a big deal. Big that was deal. a big deal. Yeah. And for all you trivia buffs out there, her daughter was one of Ernest Hemingway's wives. Right. And matter of fact, for all you trivia buffs out there, Three of Ernest Hemingway's wives had a St. Louis connection. Wait, three? Yes, three oh, of the four. Three of the four. At <laughs> some point you say, maybe marriage isn't for me. No, no. <laughs> no you just like serial monogamy. <laughs> so the Women's Equality Day, the, it's the happy hour coast to coast. It's going to happen August the 26th at 6 p.m. Central Time. Yep. But it will be coast to coast. Coast to coast. And to get more information, how do people register? Okay. They can go to Eventbrite, and it's under voices-womensequality-hh.eventbrite.com. And I'm going to put it on our website, and our website is Voices of American Her Story, which I haven't even told you about that project. We are an educational arts project. Well, go we, into that, Rebecca. We, we yeah. do uh, reenactments live and filmed and virtual okay. for schools, 
so that you can have a very brief one hour, less than one hour curriculum about these three people and bring history alive. We have done virtual lunch and learns for several insurance companies for their employees. So we do a lot of interesting things to bring women's voices forward. I write a blog for our website, Mm -hmm. and we have done interactive events like the Women's Equality Day. We celebrated Gloria Steinem's birthday a couple of months ago, and we'll do that again next year. So it's we do a lot of things that bring women's history forward. Yeah, so that's fantastic to go to schools. I, I we need that more in schools. Right. I yeah. Bring that around more. Yeah. I think and, that's and great. When you do living history, mm-hmm. I, I have been tapped into the reenacting community. Recently, I met a fellow who does Ulysses S. Grant, who is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> but I've met Abe Lincoln, FDR, Eleanor Roosevelt. Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass. There is a whole reenacting community out there. Wow. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. And the statues, I think that's fantastic too. Yeah, in Central Park. But that's like one. We need right, more. I had no idea that there was not that. I, I'm going, why isn't there any women statues out there? It just seems so. Maybe odd. I'm just, yeah, it is odd. And maybe I'm just I'm glad naive. it feels odd because uh, it's naive. about time it felt odd. I know. And I love the phrase, breaking the bronze ceiling. ceiling. Now, is there an organization for that that's trying Monumentalwomen.com. To... Okay. And Colleen is part of that. I know there's more women involved, but she's part of that. Monumentalwomen.com. I know, I, would... I know they're tearing down some of these Confederate statues. How about replacing some of those with some women's statues? How about Edna Gellhorn? How about Virginia oh, yeah. Minor? We do have Harriet and uh, Dred Scott right. uh, as a couple. Finally. and Yeah, finally. Yeah. And so let's do some more. We have Frankie Freeman uh-huh. in St. Louis. She's in the big square by the courthouse. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Keener Plaza. Okay. She's there. There's room for all of us on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There really is. That's right. That's right. I, I don't understand it, but that's a, I would love to see that. Rebecca, thanks for coming in. So August the 26th, 6 p.m. It's live coast to coast. Don't forget at 5, her special. Right, 5 oh, o'clock, oh. right before that. The special, yes, August uh, 26th on... Opening uh, act there. It's the opening act. At the yeah. opening act. Yeah. yeah. The founding mothers the founding of the mothers. National Political Caucus in St. Louis. It's, got great, it's a great show. Some it great is interviews. Great. There's some great yeah, interviews Yeah, yeah, these women are really fantastic. They really go into depth about things. It's really... Yeah. And really, the stories. Oh, yeah. my God. Wait till you hear Betty Van Allman <laughs> about being in the, the state legislature trying to get the ERA passed. She's got a great one. Yeah. <laughs> That's history. Yeah, that's at 5, right before the 6 o'clock. Yeah. Cool, cool. Thanks, Rebecca. Appreciate it. You're welcome. We appreciate you listening to this episode of St. Louis in Tune. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast to keep up on all of the latest episodes. St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH 92.9 FM and Motif Media Group. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker. (laughs) 